listening to the Cricket Podcast. I think it was a disgraceful performance and I think it should never be permitted to happen again. That is very good. Hello everyone and welcome to the Cricket Podcast. And today it's uh, it's me, Max Brown. I'm joined by Ross Legg. How are you, Hi, Ross? Oh, it couldn't be better because uh, I mean you're introducing the show for the very first time, and I, yeah. I, I, I might like not seeing... be the first time. It's, we've done quite a few now. So they've all faded in the memory, but let's say it is. Yeah, I like, I like seeing you under pressure. Mm. Well, hopefully I'll perform. Um, uh, and we are joined uh, not by Jack Hope this week, but instead by Daniel Norcross. How are you doing, Daniel? Do you know I'm doing really, really well because um, I'd forgotten how much I loved Das Boot. Uh, the TV series, which is, if you like, a reboot of Das Boot. <laughs> and uh, and I'd watched the first series, and I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then they went, oh, there's a whole new one. I went, oh, crikey, series two. So I've been binge-watching the crap out of Das Boot 2, the re-reboot, if you will. And uh, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. It's, it's full of grimness. There's people being killed unbearably. There's lots of claustrophobia. There's lots of um, water. I mean, after all, it's about a U-boat, so there's a lot of water. And there's a lot of water here in Tooting, where it is <laughs> pouring with rain every now and then, really quite dramatically for the last two weeks. And I'm broadly speaking sick of it. Yeah, well, we had two weeks of sun, didn't we, in, uh, in the UK? And yeah. as, as always <laughs> happens with two weeks of sun in the UK, it follows... It's what it's followed by two weeks of rain, so uh, you know it's, we've we've got our comeuppance, and um, and you can check out our sideshow podcast for reviews of, uh, of various series. I um, well, I personally can I just can I just put in a little request that the the next person who complains about it being hot after two days of thirty degrees, we find, we kidnap, and we stick in a basement, and uh, we gag them and we give them no access to their phones because these people are the enemies of the state. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, uh, that, that can be that can be part of the manifesto. Um, so, well, we've got uh, what have we got? We got coming up. We'll be talking about mainly the England uh, India series that is finally about to get underway. We've been waiting for it for a little while. I think it's uh, it's the big one. It's what what we're looking forward to, and um, and I think there'll be some hundred chat at the end. But uh, before we get into all that good stuff, Ross, have you got some messages for our listeners? Yes, uh, you should like and subscribe to this video and our YouTube channel. Follow us at The Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're looking for a cricket bat, you cannot go wrong with a Woodstock cricket bat. Um, so, I'm, I'm, Dan, I think you're an investor, aren't you, in, in, the, uh, in, in the enterprise, or at least a, a strong supporter? I'm a very, very strong supporter of Woodstock cricket bats. They are the finest bats going there, yeah. lovingly handmade from the very finest willow. And yeah, um, yeah, as you can see. see from this bat here, I mean, those balls must have absolutely pinged off that bat, I'm imagining. I've never known anybody, with the exception of Stephen Finn, not find the middle of a Woodstock bat, but, you know, <laughs> that's Stephen Finn for you. Yeah, there was a 50 hit with it yesterday, so not too bad. Anyway, Ooh, uh, enough well of me being really in an amateur cricket. Um, let's get on with the show, shall we, Max? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, England v India. Uh, where would you like to start, Ross? Would you like to start with England, or would you like to start with the away team first? No, let, let's mix up. Let's go India first. Let's go India, India first. first. Yeah, right. they've they've okay. been waiting. They've been waiting longer for the the Dasburt series uh, than the Dan has. They've been sitting there <laughs> stuck in their hotel room for about five months. <laughs> um, okay, India then. Uh, well, we'll start with the uh, the team news. 
and that could take about half an hour. So uh, bear with me. Um, it's not it's not been a particularly easy ride for um, India. Obviously, they've uh, recently been touring Sri Lanka with a white ball squad, which has uh, met with a few issues. But we'll we'll start with the red ball squad, which is uh, in England, and uh, that um, well. First, first uh, kind of little niggle for them was uh, Rishabh Pant getting COVID uh, at the start of July. Um, he had to then quarantine for 10 days in a hotel separate from the team. And, and then three others had to quarantine. I think it was a, a net bowling coach who tested positive. And then uh, Vidiman Saha and um, Iswaran were the two who, uh, who were designated as close contacts. So they had to stay behind as well, while the rest of the squad travelled up to, uh, to Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were a few injuries. Uh, so Shubman Gill and Washington Sundar got, uh, got injured and had to be sent home. And Avesh Khan, who was in as a sort of net bowler uh, backup, also got injured. Uh, so quite early on, a few players down. Just one thing on that. Um, a yeah. couple of them got injured fielding for the opposition, which is absolutely tragic, isn't it? So they were playing an inter-squad game. Well, it wasn't an inter-squad game. They were playing against a County eleven, But yeah. the County eleven um, had a couple of the Indians playing, Washington yes, Sunder, I think, yeah. being one of them, and Avash Khan. And while fielding off the batting of some of the bowling <laughs> and while facing some of the balls from their own teammates, this is they sustained their injuries, which is... I mean, one shouldn't laugh because it's unfortunate if you're Washington Sunder and Avesh Khan. But those are the perils of, of playing <laughs> matches like funny. that. We've, we've all done it. We've all done it. But we haven't quite been highly paid professional cricketers and done it. So no. um, my thoughts, by the way, and sympathies go out to Washington Sunder and Avesh Khan for uh, the injuries they sustained and the circumstances in which they happened. Yeah, well, Washington Sundar's uh, a big break came from from injury, didn't it? In the down under, and he he being propelled. Oh, what from, goes around? What goes around comes around, Max. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I was saying, karma. Oh, you think it's karma? I'm not saying what goes around comes around. <laughs> I'm just saying that as easily as easily as things can be given to you, they can be they can be taken away by the cruel really twist can. of fate. <laughs> no, I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far as to suggest that Washington Sundar didn't done anything specifically to deserve what happened, but uh, it's uh, yes, it is uh, a a good old bit of yin and yang um so yeah with, with those three injuries uh india were looking to call up some replacements and uh two of those were pretty sure and surya kumar yadav who were then slated to join the india squad in england after they'd finished in sri lanka and this is where we go over to sri lanka where uh Krinal pandya got covid and then there were eight people identified as close contacts to Krinal pandya who then couldn't play in the uh second t20 which was delayed by a day um, which uh, didn't stop this tour because obviously India had taken enough people, so they were able to get a side out. But that was a side that had Bhuvaneshwar Kumar batting at six. Um, so it's, it's a natural place for him after the IPL. Like he's demonstrated his ability as a number ten. Then <laughs> why wasn't Rahul Dravid playing? I mean, this is oh, what really upset me. I thought this was I thought this was a great opportunity. A bit like I don't know if you remember. Well, you probably won't remember, but you may have heard of Bob Taylor coming out of retirement and coming on as a sub-wicketkeeper in a match in, I think, the late 80s or early 90s when England's wicketkeepers went down. And he must have been in his late 40s when he when he did this. Mm. And he came out and he did a session as England's wicketkeeper. Well, pretty much after he'd retired, I think. Uh, and, and I thought, here's the great chance for Rahul Dravid, who's only, I think, am I right in saying, has he got one T20 
international cap. Uh, our Indian chums will probably tell us that I'm completely wrong and it's two. But <laughs> it's something along those lines. And this was an opportunity for him to extend that incredible career. But no, they decided that uh, they go with movie at six. It was a yeah. great disappointment, I think, for all of those who love insane and ridiculous stories. It's a letdown, but you know we've we've kind of uh, jeered a little bit the uh, the approach to T Twenty cricket and uh, and the fact that it can be a bit of a you know slow start with the the way that it's approached in India, um, partly in jest and partly actually with with stats. But I think <laughs> they have got past Raul Dravid opening in T Twenties. Uh, a man, a man called the Wall, probably not the man to get the most <laughs> out of the power play. But uh, but then again, yeah, I'm not sure Bhuvneshwar. But well, he could have kept wicket. He could have kept wicket and come in at seven, you know. I reckon, I reckon they would have got more than 80. They would have got more than 80, wouldn't they? Well, so, they actually, yeah. in the uh, in the second T20, they got about 130, didn't they? And uh, Sri Lanka only just managed to chase it down with a couple of balls to to spare. But um, yes, it was in that in that third game with uh, uh, Bouvi again at six and uh, Kuldeep Yadav in at seven, top scoring with, I think it was 23 off 28 balls or something. Um, in a in a yeah mountainous effort of 83, that that did get chased down fairly quickly, and um, was quite good news for the Sri Lankan players who now they've got all their new contracts with all the bonuses in, get to share about 100,000 US dollars between them for taking down a team as high in the rankings as India. So uh, you know, <laughs> they've, yeah, that, that, uh, that, yeah. that, could, that could be distributed equally to the 570 counties that they seem to have playing first class <laughs> cricket when they're yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is a sort of semi-serious point to be made here, which is that, you know, England had to put out what was the, the equivalent of a third level, really, mm. against Pakistan. And uh, and they beat them. And it wasn't a poor Pakistan side either. So, yeah, uh, this is the, the key any... difference with that is that we were able to actually pick some a mix of batsmen and bowlers. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely <laughs> true. And there were extenuating circumstances for India. I mean, it was it was a nightmare for them. And uh I, I'm not sure how long those games are going to live in the memory as competitive fixtures. Uh, although, if you're Sri Lankan, you'll point to that and say, we're on an upswing. It's yeah. all getting better. Yeah, Mickey um, Arthur's this laughing is all, all the way also, to his uh, new short shorts, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he is. But he is. But this, we, we should probably dwell, dwell very, very briefly on the fact that the three Sri Lankan players who were caught out having a coffee in Durham mm. Uh, in the midst of COVID way back now. It seems like forever ago, but was in fact only about five weeks ago, five or six weeks ago. Um, they've got some serious bans and um, they've been fined. I think it's $50,000 each. They've been banned from domestic and international cricket for a really considerable amount of time. So, mm. um, And you can sort of see why, really, because... Oh, whilst I disagree with the ban, or disagree, I think that the bans are a little bit disproportionate when you consider the bans that we've given out to various Australians for Sandpaper yes. Gate. And also, I think it, we spoke with uh, we spoke with Knuckle a few weeks ago, just well, just shortly after it happened, and some of the things that the players had actually <laughs> done in their past and been banned or not been banned for for, for far less. Yes. So, uh, yes, it was. It was. I, I suppose it's an accumulatory thing, but not seeing Dick Weller. And, and not being able to say Dick Weather. Well, I mean, we can say it, but, but not being able to commentate on Dick Weather is a terrible sadness for those of us who, who are in the business of enjoying Dick Weather and Dick in the same match. So, I mean, it's, uh, a, it's a two-year ban with one year suspended and banned for six months from the domestic game. That That, that is a hefty, hefty bit, especially as they're, they're like, what, 28 and 30, I think they are? So that is yeah. the, the peak years, right? 
Mm. I think it, yes, I think it, I think it's serious and, uh, and 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 harsh, but at the same time, look, um, we've been watching sides crumble. We've been talking about this in this preamble. You know, mm. England having to find an entirely new squad and India struggling to get their players on the plane to come mm. to England to replace players that have been injured. So I think a little bit more serious does, seriousness does need to be taken of the COVID situation, whilst at the same time, you can understand that as players, it must be so enervating mm. just day after day and bubble after bubble and rule after rule. So I feel a kind of sympathy and at the same time understanding for what's happened, but yeah. it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I guess that kind of shows you the, the difficulty of the position, isn't it? With uh, well, for, for everyone in that in that circumstances, but um, yes, you you alluded to the next point there. Uh, so uh, two others test positive. I think it was Yuzvendra Chahal and Krishna Pagaltam. Um, but amongst the eight close contacts uh, were Prithvi Shaw and Surya Kumar Yadav, who were supposed to be on the way to England to join the Red Bull team. So they are currently not. In England yet, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to join later if they don't test positive. Yeah, th- third test, isn't it? They'll be available yeah. for selection. Yeah, so uh, so that's uh, that's awkward for them. Um, so that left them with a a, a pretty um, well, not decimated, but a fairly cut down squad for the first. It's two not Australia, tests. is it? It's not Australia. It's not Australia. No, the the, the bulk of it's there, but it's not exactly your ideal preparation, especially when you yeah. consider you know the. Uh, the warm-up games that were moved around a bit, only getting to play that county select eleven um, game. But um, yeah, you know, it was it's all right. They, had a, a, they were still looking fairly fairly strong. Yeah, Ravi um, Shastri can stick his pads on. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, but um, but then today the final the final news, the final uh, icing on the cake was that uh, Mike Agarwal is out of the first test with concussion after getting hit in the nets on the helmet. So uh, that's. Uh, that's good. Um, so yeah, that's that's where India are squad wise. Uh, the rest of the uh, the big boys are pretty much there. I think mean, the only thing um, that maybe was was surprising, which is I think, which well that's from from a long time ago when they announced the Sri Lanka tour, was perhaps Bhuvneshwar Kumar not being in England because you think he might be uh, ideal for that sort of thing. But nevertheless, they are not short of good scene bowling, so uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll be okay on that front. But uh, with Agarwal being out and uh, and pretty sure being stuck in Sri Lanka, um, there could be a bit of a question about what we see as the uh, the opening pair for India in that first test. Um, mm-hmm. So we could be seeing well, we'll obviously see Rohit. There's uh, I think Cal Rahul has opened in the in the past, um, so he is an option and he did score a good hundred in that uh, uh, in that warm up game. Um, if there was a maybe. man built for Test cricket, Max, KL yeah. Rahul, the ball leader <laughs> in T20 cheese. cricket, just let him yeah. play Test cricket. Surely, just let him play Test cricket. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the one option. Um, and the other one is um, is a man who could possibly be described as the Indian answer to Hasib Hamid in um, Abhimanyu. Ranganathan, Parmeshwaran, Iswaran. There we go. I said it, and uh, please let me know in the comments how far off the mark that is. I would be interested to know. But um, he uh, he had been around the Indian squad before, and uh, based on averaging 95 in the Ranji Trophy in 2018-19. But he then followed that up by averaging 17 the following year. So uh, that's where I, the um, um, that's where the Hamid comparisons potentially come in. But uh, that is, that, that's that's entirely Hamidian. That, that, yeah. you're, you're, you're absolutely right. But 
do we do you think we're really if you're indian you're really worrying about that for a start there's there's vihari as an option hanuma vihari yeah. could open and gives you an extra offspin option um as you say kl rahul could open and iswaran that i have got to confess i have never seen play could also open but after that it's pujara kohli rahane punt it should be jadeja ashwin <laughs> Sharma, um, Shami, Bumrah. I mean, it's a fantastic side, isn't it? When England played in the Ashes not so long ago, they were so completely bamboozled by the problem of who they were going to get opening the batting and the absence of Alistair Cook, who finally retired. They put Jason Roy at the top of the order. So I don't think I don't think Indian fans need worry too much if they don't have the optimal opener. No. I think uh, where where England have had their troubles, uh, India have very much, very much not. But uh, well, let's let's get on to the point that you uh, teased there, Dan. Um, they sh- you said uh, it should be Jadeja and Ashwin. Do you think it will be Jadeja and Ashwin, or do you think no, it'll be Shard or Thakur? Yeah, well, I, I think there, there'll be a situation where Indian selectors will outthink themselves. Um, they'll look at Trent Bridge and I think, do you actually need any spinners at Trent Bridge because Spinners don't take wickets, not even Graham Swan, arguably England's greatest ever off spinner, took really very many wickets for Nottinghamshire. They certainly didn't take very many for England there. So it's not really a place that you require a spinner. But Jadeja, Jadeja and Ashwin are the two best all-rounders potentially in the world at the moment. And India are always better when Jadeja plays. So rather than overthinking it, I think they should play him. But... I think they won't. I think what they'll do is they'll they'll go for a four-seamer option at Trentbridge. I think England will too. And then I think they'll introduce Jadeja in pitches where they think he's going to be more useful. But mm. I urge, well, I say I urge Indian sectors because if this series is not going to become terribly one-sided, it does require some mistakes on the part of India. So to make for an exciting series, we could do with them forgetting that Ravindra Jadeja is one of the greatest players in the world right now in Red Bull cricket. And they seem to have forgotten that plenty of times before. So if they continue to do that, I think that would be to England's advantage. <laughs> He's just a bits and pieces player, isn't he, according to uh, Mandrake? Yeah, just bits and pieces. I mean, only averages, uh, I mean, it's the, the massive uh, sum of like 24 with the ball and, and the rather measly 40-odd with the bat, which makes him an, an atrocious all-rounder, doesn't it, yeah, really? Right, and, it's definitely and, the right and, way around. It's insane. It's insane he doesn't play every game. If he was English, he'd play every game. Because the thing is, it's yeah. not about whether the pitch is turned or not that makes Jadeja useful. It's that in the course of, an, of a day's test cricket, if you win the, lose the toss and have to bowl in conditions that aren't necessarily particularly favourable to seamers on the first day, Jadeja can bowl you 15 overs in that day or 20 overs in that day and go for 45 runs. He'll probably pick up a wicket into the bargain and he'll give you control. Mm. And I've never understood why they don't get this. And then his batting is perfectly, he's more than perfectly adequate down the order. When you think, you look at England's lineup from 1 to 11, they have one player who averages over 40. They'd bite your hand off for Ravi Jadeja. They'd stick him. He'd probably be batting at three if he was English, yeah. <laughs> insanely. And also, uh, so yes. got England's fabled weakness against the left-arm spinner. Uh, it doesn't doesn't need to turn for it to be a problem. It can just be there. 
And yep. you've, also, uh, you've also got his fielding. Uh, you know, I mean, there's the other part of being an all-rounder. He will and you've got, save you've got you. The he tash, will give you an advantage got, of runs. Probably get your You've wicket. got the tash, you've got the bat twirl, the fielding, the, beard, the bowling, sure. the batting. I don't know what he's done to upset people. I genuinely don't. I mean, I've, I've spoken to Indian cricketers. Perhaps it's the sort of case of, you know, like when, yeah, particularly uh, secondary school, you've got the guy who is head boy, captain of the football team, best cricketer. You're talking about Ross now, aren't you? Really annoying. Piano. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just the, the, yeah, the guy, and you just hate him. And you just, re- you just resent him for being better than you at everything you try and do. Perhaps... Perhaps Jadeja has fallen into that trap. Perhaps oh, you uh... think maybe maybe Coley looks at Jadeja and thinks if he was able to be the cricketer he actually was, he'd surpass me in the affections of the Indian public. Maybe. Is that the cl- I mean, controversial even, statement you're making? It's even got a similar, you know, like Coley's beard, Jadeja's beard. Yeah. Similar? Oh, yeah. Jadeja's is better. It's a way, way better beard. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm sorry. That's I'm the... going to get trolled now by Coley fans, but Jadeja <laughs> that's, has got that's the best what, beard in Indian sort of... cricket. That's sort of 50% of what we're here for, isn't it? Uh, the reason for our success as a team has been that we haven't cribbed about any pitches that we played on. Hey there. I'm Black Welcome to my crib. Look, the reality of the situation is, yes, the wicket was very flat and slow. I'm not saying that that is an excuse that we will hold on to as a team, but you have to understand the reality of what went on, and that was the case in the first two days. Uh, but yeah, it was flat and slow and um, the quality of the ball, honestly, as well, wasn't something that, that we were, uh, you know, very um, pleased to see. Um, right, so the, se- uh, the sex appeal of Jadeja is what gets us over the line in, in our book. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's highly appealing. Right. Now, that was a, a, a nice... A nice slideshow. So, I mean, what, what do you reckon, Ross? Where do you, where do you stand on on it? Do you think they'll? Yeah, I put in Dan's category. I think they'll have to. I think they will go with the four seam option. Um, I do think uh, India selections like to make it all about them, the selectors, um, which is great. And then they realise, oh, we've lost the first uh, test match, and they've set one up, and then they'll bounce back and win three um, one. But it's it's quite. It's, I think it's quite an important series for a couple of their players. So, um, someone like Jasprit Bumrah. Um, mm. Bumrah has demonstrated he is an unbelievably good T20 player. He's bowled extremely well in the West Indies in Test cricket. But I think actually coming to England and really kind of demonstrating how good you are is a, is a pretty big deal for someone like him, especially when you've got someone like Ishant Sharma, who's come through like brilliantly in the last, what, five years or so? He's been almost unplayable. Um, and then when you've got someone like Siraj behind you, there's always that kind of question because Shammy's mm. going to play, right? The right. unluckiest bowler in world cricket or whatever it might be. Um, but around Bumrah, I think it's a really important series for him. So you think I agree with in you, peril? actually. No, I don't think Bumrah is in peril because, you know, Bumrah proved himself in England the last time he was here. In a series that, frankly, India could have won 4-1. England won 4-1. Yeah. India could have won it 4-1. It was a brilliant series. It was really, really tight. But India really did not get the rub of the green. Mm. And I, I think, you know, an impartial observer would look at that and say they were the better side across the five games. Um, but Bumrah's got injury issues. And we've seen this with his workload. So playing five tests and they're really close together. Let's not forget this. I mean, days, this is, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And it, it's one of the tighter five-match series you're going to... Well, I mean, it's very COVID-y. Uh, England will do the same when they, if they do the Ashes <laughs> in, in December. Mm. But it's, a, it's very much 
uh, it's very much going to put a toll on, on fast bowlers. And England mm-hmm. are going to need to uh, rotate. India, I think, will need to rotate. Yeah, but they may be put, found, find enforced rotation when it comes to Bumrah. Because, you know, we've seen it happen to him before. We've seen him break down. It's an extraordinary action. And as, as England fans, you'll be familiar with Mark Wood's action before he lengthened his run-up. And it puts incredible strain coming in and, and bowling at over 90. I was going to say trying, but actually bowling at 90 miles an hour plus when you're doing it off a really short run-up. And throwing and, yourself to the floor half the time. And throwing yourself to the floor, exactly. But in Boomer's case, he's doing it off. It's not really a run-up at all. It's kind of dressage horse in the Olympics approach. <laughs> followed by this absolutely mad wang, which is superb to watch, hugely effective. But will it stand up to the rigours of five tests in 42 days? Will it stand up to the rigours of back-to-back tests? Mm. Because England found that with Wood, didn't they? They didn't let him have back-to-back tests. So whether India are at that stage and whether they'll start thinking, well, Bournemouth plays the first game to try to establish that lead and then we leave him out the next one at Lord's and then bring him back again because there'll be a nice break, or they, they're seduced by the idea you can do back-to-back games, and then there's a break, and you could have a lengthy break. We're going to see it. We're going to understand an awful yeah. lot more about whether Indian selection operates a little bit more similarly to English selection. Australian selection didn't, and it really cost them. In the Ashes, uh, sorry, the Ashes, sorry, in the <laughs> Indian Ashes, <Yeah. laughs> they played India last year. They did what they always do, Australia. They picked the same four bowlers and it really told on them by the end of that series. And India, I think, benefited a little bit from some of the injuries they had. The enforced changes brought in fresh bowlers in a, a similarly concatenated series where the matches were so close together. Um, I'd be interested to see whether India have learnt from that and whether they'll manage their own bowling resources or whether it'll mm. just happen by a force. Mm. Yeah, we even saw it a little bit when uh, when the West Indies came over in that uh, that first COVID series, and uh, yeah. uh, it was Shannon Gabriel, wasn't it? Was playing back to back, and brilliant in the first test, and and uh, well, yeah. Mm. Well, he got, he got <laughs> a, a progressively. Shadow. Well, he got he got he got progressively more knackered, as did Alzari yeah. Joseph. But you know, England are a little bit blessed in that way, in a way that India aren't blessed in two ways, in having an idea that they need to manage their bowlers, which infuriates their supporters, but does actually, I think, maintain optimum fitness for the most effective bowlers at the right time. Um, And also, I guess, by having a number of them that they've now played test cricket. Mm. So they don't feel so bad about bringing them in. And they're all quite good. And they are all quite good. But India might be starting to feel that themselves now because having the enforced use of people like Siraj then they might actually start to think, well, you know, we could do the same thing. We could give Bubra some time off for good behaviour, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, well, you've also got Umesh Yadav to kind of take into consideration as yep. well, right? And he bowled really Absolutely. well in the, uh, the County eleven game that they played. So, uh, yeah, I still think it's going to be one hell of a hell of a battle. Um, and uh, But it's going to be interesting to see who they pick. I just cannot wait to see Rishabh Pant play. I, I'm literally a complete and utter like, fanboy for Pant. Mm. And I kind of try and I tried to picture him in lockdown, like when it, when he was quarantined. And all I can think of is like a Pikachu in a Pokeball, and that's the only thing I could possibly think of for Rishabh Pant, <laughs> and it just seemed to work for me. So I just thought, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's, a, that's lovely. That's like, I might use that yeah. on uh, commentary on Wednesday. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Copyright. Shall, I hope I knew oh, what it meant. <laughs> uh, shall we talk about England? Yes, let's let's do that. 
So Ben Stokes has unfortunately had to take uh, an indefinite break from cricket uh, for mental health reasons. Um, I mean, the pressure at the game uh, at the highest level, compounded with bio bubbles, the non-stop um, schedule because of what IPL, England, whatever else. Um, I mean, it's really taken its toll and it's taken its toll on what England's second best test player, if not their best test player. Um, and we can only wish that he gets the treatment he needs and comes back performing at the level. Um, but this can't be underestimated. This is a mega blow to England. Like It is a it's huge, a single, huge... It's the single most important blow. I mean, he, when you talk about best or second best player, it's more than that with Stokes. He balances a side, doesn't he? It, so he means that you can actually work out what England will try to do and it allows them to play a spinner uh, in circumstances when they get found out when they don't have one. Uh, it's a it's a massive blow, but the way I see it is it's not really, this is a time when it's not really about that. It's about Ben Stokes. And yeah. a, a lot of people will be speculating about why he's feeling like this or whatever. It could be anything. That's the thing with needing a break for mental health. It could be absolutely anything. People have said, well, he's not been in a bubble for three months because he left the IPL and then, you know, had three months looking after his finger apart from a few ODIs. Well, I think anybody with a scintilla of sensitivity would have watched the three ODIs that he was captain and thought there was something a little bit amiss. Um, he struggled in post-match interviews. He wasn't. He gave some curious answers. You know, when England won 3-0, he talked about Owen Morgan and how well Morgan had done. He didn't really sort of talk about the players. He felt distracted. He felt like he wasn't really there. He didn't really bowl. He didn't bat particularly effectively. He played some unusual shots. And it was clear to me that, um, and I think to, to anybody watching, that he wasn't on his game. No, but I don't think anybody knew why he wasn't on his game. But I think he's done what he needs to do, which is go away and um, or leave that that environment. And it could be for any number of reasons. It could be that being out of bubbles means that the thought of going back into them is horrific. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sort of not, I don't want to speculate on why he is that but what that does mean is that England have got the same problem they had against New Zealand which is how do they balance their team and I don't know that they can I'm afraid which is why for me India are really strong favourites because England have got a huge problem at the top of their order as they have had for a number of years now if you think the only player to come into the England side and average over 40 uh, in the last 10 years is Joe Root it's an extraordinary stat. There's no one else who's been able to do Gary it. Gary Balance. So, uh, oh, yes. Uh, that is possible. Yeah, they've discarded <laughs> him. And does he still average over 40? Or has it gone down as a result of his travails at the end? I'm not quite sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, you know, England have got problems. They've got a, a top three that's a problem. And that causes a problem for their number one batter, who is Root, because he comes in often in tricky circumstances and very much aware of the situation. Essentially opening the batting. Correct. Yeah. If they had Stokes at five, but they don't have Stokes at five. So then you've got Ollie Pope. And I wouldn't be surprised if Pope doesn't play at Nottingham. He gave an interview the other day saying that he was still feeling his injury hmm. and that he, he might not be selected for that game, but he would hope to be available for other games. That doesn't mean that he's not playing, but just he raised that as a spectre and players don't tend to do that otherwise. No. got Dan Lawrence, who's very new uh, to test cricket. Josh Butler, who's a fine wicketkeeper batter, but he's going to be averaging, you know, he averages in, in the mid to late 30s, although he's been in good form. But he's, he's you know, his impact is down the order. 
And then England don't have what they did have when they went to number one all those years ago. They had in Swan and Broad two guys who batted at eight and nine really powerfully. And they don't really have bowlers who bat. So Ollie Robinson, there's going to be an awful lot on Ollie Robinson's shoulders. He's only played one test because we, we've seen that he's able to bat. And then you have three bowlers. So, you know, the, the, num- the weight of runs that England are going to score, looking at the Indian attack, it's hard to see how they're really going to be able to compete unless they get a massive rub of the green, the right toss, the right pitch, the right conditions. And of course, they might do that. They might very well do that because that's the beauty of test cricket. But looking at it and putting the two sides side by side, where are the runs in the England team? It, it requires Crawley to repeat the feats of last year against Pakistan on a more regular basis. It requires Burns and Sibley to be more effective at the top of the order than they have been for a little while uh, and to give, therefore, the space for, for Root to breathe and they need their five, six, seven to fire. So uh, I think that's going to be where the battle is going to be won. It's going to be in the top sixes. Mm. Well, should we, should we talk about um, Zach Crawley for a second? So if you took his big daddy two, so, two six seven out, the average is less than 20. Um, England kind of almost have to prevail with him, don't they, at the moment? They've kind of made that investment in him. He's, he's played a couple of nice shots, gets caught a mid-off every now and again or on cover. Or he just completely just goes, oh, there's one outside off stump here. I'm going to wave my bat at it and gets caught a second slip. Um, he's not really shown the mental aptitude to play test-level cricket other than in one seriously good innings. So is, does that one seriously good innings for Rob Key 2.0 give him the benefit of another five test matches, another 10 test matches? Can you think of someone else? I mean, this is the problem England have got at the moment. There aren't obvious batters who could replace him. I mean, Joe Clark might have been one a couple of years ago and he underwent certain travails, you might mm-hmm. say, over the last two years. He was one they would have been having an eye on. I think, you know, if you were going to take a sort of helicopter view of where England are at, the loss of James Taylor has been absolutely massive because he would have been playing consistently for the last four years. He would have definitely been in that England team. And that's, they're kind of missing that. Everyone mm-hmm. knows opening the batting in international cricket in, against the red ball has been difficult around the world. It just has been. You know, I'm going to look at their numbers. So in a sense, it's a bit false to look at Burns and Sibley at the top of the order because every opening pair has struggled. Tom Latham, probably the, the standout opener of the last two or three years. It's when you get to three, four, five, that England are really struggling for consistency. And is Crawley that man? He plays beautiful shots. When he came into the one day side, he played some beautiful shots. The thing is, there's playing beautiful shots, as we know from watching James Vince for years, and then there's constructing an innings and building on it. I watched all of that 267 at the AGS Bowl, and it was a great knock, but it was the flattest deck you have ever seen in your life. It's so flat <laughs> that England couldn't even be bothered to go for the win on the last day, and they just called time on it, and everyone drove off with, you know, an hour to go, uh, even though. They were the only side that could have won. That, that's how sort of desperate that pitch was. So, look, it's a great, it was a great effort of concentration. It was a marvellous innings. But what does it tell you about the future? The other part, though, I would say, to counterbalance that, is that Crawley's very young. So what we're asking of these guys is something that other countries don't do. And we recently have done in England. We, we've never traditionally given 
debuts to 19, 20, 21 year olds in the last four or five years. And this might be because of our focus on white ball cricket. We've found ourselves clutching at young people coming into the side. Sam Curran being a really good example, but also Zach Crawley, young batters coming in, Ollie Pope coming in. I think Ollie Pope's a terrific player who, given time and space, will score thousands and thousands of runs for England. But he's playing for England earlier than he would have done in another era. Five or six years ago, he'd have had another two years of red ball county cricket. And we're doing the same thing with Crawley. We're getting very excited because Rob Key has seen him in a 50-over match and we've watched it on the telly and we've purred over some incredible cover drives. God, get him in the test team! Well, that tells you something about the paucity of red ball batters who can construct innings across the country, doesn't it? And I, and I don't want to have a go at Crawley for that because I think he's so early in his career, it's a bit harsh the way we're talking about him. But do you not think that England have brought that on themselves a little bit? So we've, we've discarded plenty of half-decent batsmen early on in their career who James Vince, as you mentioned, one of them, doesn't hit a few, like gets to 30, gets well, 25, if you, if you like, kind of gets out, has now gone away, played cricket, went in the Big Bash, has played cricket kind of around the world in different franchise leagues, shown that he still cares at Hampshire. I think he's captain there. And yet he's not getting a look back into that side. They're not, no one knows. Yeah, but does it, no but Ross, does, it, does he care enough when he's batting himself at five? You know, I yeah. want to see James Vince batting at three mm. for Hampshire, not at five. If he wants to get back in the England team, that's where England need him. And really, they don't need him at five in the sense that that's not their big problem. The big problem is, can you prove to me you can construct an innings at the top of the order at one, two, three, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's he's not chosen to do that. And that that would, if I was a selector, that would give me a little bit of concern. So I'd be thinking, well, you know, if you want a career as a test cricketer, have a look at where the gaps are. Why aren't people who are genuinely really good clamouring to be in the top three. And part of that, I think, only a part of it, but it is a significant part of it, is that actually it's not a bad life, is it? Wandering around the world, playing in a big bash, trying to get an IPO contract, doing a bit of PSL, whacking it about a bit further down the order. It's really, really hard work. I mean, when you watch Rory Burns, what he's had to go through to become an, an England cricketer, it has been years of hard slog at the top of the order against a moving Duke's ball in English conditions. That's how he's carved out his cricketing career. I want to see people who want to do that. And I might be being ridiculous in, in, in that because at the same time, I totally understand why you would say to yourself, this is actually way too much like hard work. <laughs> I, I like smashing it about a bit with my pyjamas on. And, and, you know, who doesn't? <laughs> Fair point. I mean, is, there an, uh, is there an element though there of uh, maybe James Vince? Maybe he, yeah, maybe he doesn't really want to do that, or maybe he doesn't think there's any point because he doesn't get a feeling that he'll ever get a look in again. He's had his chance and it's gone. And uh, and whether there's sort yeah, but you of, forced, a sense of yeah, inevitability Max, amongst the ECB. Max, you, you you forced to select his hands. If you're captain at Hampshire, you can say I'm bang at three, yeah, rather than five, can't you? Yeah. I mean, if you've got to play these four day games, come what may, because you're the skipper. Then you might as well say, look, I'll stick, I'm, I'm going to go out at three. 
But he hasn't. He's, 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 he's not like he's not going to get a contract. Uh, yeah, maybe, exactly. exactly. So, maybe, so, so uh, what's, what's the thinking there? I mean, what actually well, is the thinking there? Maybe it's, I don't know, some sort, some insider knowledge that he that he knows that he's tight, he's had his chance and that he's never going to get a look in. You know, we've 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 bits like suggested before that, you know, England use data when it suits them. And uh, and and on other occasions, we'll look at someone with a nice cover drive and go, "We've decided you are the next man to play number three for England." And uh, you know, I I, th- I think there are uh, there are some people in county cricket who may have not got a chance that potentially could have. And now the boat's sailed for them. And, well, Sam um, Northeast, do you think? Yeah, that kind that kind of mm. thing. You know, I think James yep. Hildreth, Hildreth is another another one that has, um you know had been talked about and never well, got Hildreth, a, got a Hildreth, Hildreth Hildreth is a very different situation because Hildreth Hildreth came to the became the Hildreth that he wanted to be at the same time as it was as being virtually impossible to get into the England team you know Somerset fans continually wail about that but actually (laughs) that he was a young batter when it was Strauss Cook yeah Bell Peterson not breaking Collingwood Trot Trot (laughs) at three you know yeah. Uh, prior at seven, you're not getting into that side unless yeah. you score an enormous number of runs. He might have been the number six instead of Collingwood, but they didn't choose him. And then mm. there's also a kind of lag effect that happens with selectors because you know, we get the opportunity to have hindsight. They see players go out one after the other and they think, well, do we really want to bring in the 28 or 29 or 30-year-old Hildreth? where we want to plan for the future so that we can have that team yeah. back. But we're always but planning for the bloody future. You can get I know, seven look, years I out of uh, I, a 28-year-old. As a voter, he's averaged over 50. <laughs> I know. Look, there's a number of reasons why Aussies are better than us, and that's one of them, because they're hard-nosed <laughs> and crazy in that respect. They brought in Mike Hussey and Adam Voges when England never would have done that. They said, oh, no, you know, we've got a plan for the future. Yes, it was a mistake that they didn't do that, but you can understand the mistake, because the yeah. mistake was... Let's try and get X batter to be really good, you know. Mm. And unfortunately, they've had Tom Westley, and, you know, they've had a few. They had Gary Balance, and it was it was quite successful for a while until it stopped being successful. And these these decisions are, are made logically, even though hindsight tells us that they'd have been far smarter just wanging James Hildreth into the side. The moment Trot and Peterson and Bell retired, you know, just mm. get someone in who knows what he's doing. We'd die for a Hildreth now, but they're not going to pick Hildreth now. So no. we've got to look at what we've got. And what we've got is a lot Darren of players Stevens. who... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, I was outraged he wasn't picked for the ODIs, but that's an entirely different matter. <laughs> well, uh, let, let's go on to the bowling lineup um, because I think it's quite interesting, right? This is... Um, well, Max, we were talking about it on WhatsApp today around how... Could, could this actually be Jimmy Anderson and Broad's last kind of big series in England? Kind of, we're playing together more than more than likely. Do we think, Dan? Do you think that's, that's going to be something that we end up seeing? And, and will they play together? I think they'll be. Uh, they'll have to play together at some point in the season. Um, England have got Archer. Uh, Wokes is obviously still struggling with a niggle of some kind. That's I think it's a sore heel. Indeed, uh, Ollie Robinson will come straight back into the side and. If he stays fit, I imagine he will play every game. But uh, you've got Wood. So I think on pitches, let's let's take Trent Bridge as a perfect example. I think there's a very strong possibility that England will go into the first test, knowing it's a five-bat series, with six batters, a keeper and four bowlers. And those four bowlers will all be seen. Mm-hmm. And they'll try to 
fiddle some overs out of, I'm imagining it'll be Lawrence and Root because I don't think Pope will play. If he does play, then it'll be Root for the for the other bowling option because mm-hmm. Trent Bridge does not have any kind of, um, it, it, there's nothing there for Seaman. So you you might start screaming, well, where's Sam Curran in all this? He was man of the series the last time England played India. Well, in a four-man seam attack, there's no point having five Seamans, as we all know. Four-man seam attack, they'll kick off with Broaden Anderson, who ought to be fit, firing, ready to go. Um, a pace option, if it's there, in Wood, and Ollie Robinson. It's um, fraught with danger for England because Broaden Anderson don't always start series particularly brilliantly because they're getting a bit older now. They actually do need some overs under their belt. Anderson loves bowling, and he hasn't had any counter cricket to speak of for weeks on end. Similar issue with Broad, but I think that'll be the way they'll go. Later on in the series, England aren't going to pick anything like the same 11 for five test matches. So I think that's where you're going to start to see Sam Curran having to come in to balance the batting side of it, to bring in an all-rounder so they can play Leach. They'll have mm. to have a spinner at Lords. Second test, Leach will have to play. Lords has taken spin this season. Uh, he's bowled well there as well this season. So I, I see him coming he's in. He's proved he can get Indian batsmen out, right? Leach demonstrated oh, yeah. his ability like, far better than, well, Don Best did. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very, he's a very, very good bowler, Leach. He's a very, very good bowler. And, and uh, the only thing is, you just, I can't see a point in playing him at Trent Bridge because Agreed. Look, if, if Graham Swan can't get wickets at Trent Bridge, yeah. then. Jack Leach isn't getting wickets at Trent Bridge but at Lords they'll definitely play him I would think and that's when you might start seeing four seamers one of which is Sam Curran and then Butler will have to go up the order Curran had come in at seven mm. Leach would come in and they're, they're worried about playing Wood in back-to-back games they're worried about Broad and Anderson playing back-to-back with each other over and over again whether it's I mean the, the question was phrased, framed as will this be the last time there's no way of telling. If Anderson picks up a chronic injury, he'll retire. But he hasn't had one at the moment, so he's not going to retire. Broad has made it very clear in interviews, although the thing with Broad is you can never be quite sure how much he's playing you, that he doesn't understand why he can't play for another few years because he's seen Anderson play for another few years. And he's got a, a shed load of wickets he'd love to go past oh, and he's, he's another guy where you don't see him pulling up injured very often either like for no you don't him. not too often so i don't i'm not sure i think it's nice to frame it but we've been framing it as the last series of broad and anderson for years haven't we <laughs> and it's never come to pass uh, i don't see it like that time and circumstances may mean that it does but i don't think it's in their plans that this is their last series no i think i think for me the question is uh I, you know uh, when when they carry on or whether well when they when they stop it'll be are they are they still fit are they still keeping fit well, obviously at the moment they are and uh, is their pace dropping at all and like they never they were never that quick in the first place and I, I've not seen any evidence of their their pace falling over the recent years and they're still looking very very dangerous so I don't I don't think it's it Max, it'll just be Max, patently obvious with it <laughs> you you sit in a room and tell Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad that their pace was never really really quick to begin with and they will demand you stick your pads your helmets and body armor on and go into a net i would absolutely jimmy anderson 90 miles an hour so yeah i would get taken to bits but i would absolutely love to (laughs) (laughs) we all sort of would love to but yeah i i I do take your point anderson's been bowling 
actually he claims a little bit quicker than he has done in recent I, I, years. It did look recently, like that, actually, yeah, yeah, he's been hitting eighty five, eighty six, mm. and he can slip the odd one at eighty eight when he absolutely wants to. But I think, look, the key is with people who've done things as brilliantly as they've done them, it's when you know you actually can't do it. With Jimmy Anderson, it's very much, you know, he goes into the nets and he loves netting. And if he's still enjoying it and he's still finding new deliveries to bowl, he's really strong on this, Hmm. then he's still excited to do it. If he can't execute it because of, you know, I don't know, like a chronic elbow or a chronic shoulder issue or something like that, it will be in the arm mostly. Then, I think he'd then say, "Well, I'm I'm not doing this, and there's it, it's it's too humiliating to go out there and not be able to do the thing that I know I can do." But at the moment, he's convinced that he's bowling better than ever, and so you know, don't don't I don't think we need to spend our time worrying yeah. about whether Anderson's <laughs> going to keep going or not. It, yeah, He'll tell us. He'll tell him. us when he's not doing it, and, yep. and then we'll go. Well, fair play. <laughs> well, the only other note I had here was uh, Johnny Bairstow back in the Test squad. Um, I look forward ooh, ooh. to him him playing at some point. Uh, the white ball. Supremo. I think he might play at Trent Bridge. I think he might yeah. play at Trent Bridge, and I'll tell you for why. Because I can see if Pope's not available, which I think he might not be. I think you've got your flaky top order of Burns, Sibley, Crawley, Root, um, Ben Lawrence at five, Bearstow six, Butler seven, and the four steamers: mm-hmm. Robinson, Wood, Broad, Anderson. Uh, I can really, really see him playing at Trumpet. I think right. Yeah. I love <laughs> Johnny Bairstow. And he's great for this podcast as well. Anyway, yeah. uh, that I is... Have a <laughs> I have one question, actually, about the England team, uh, Ross. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Murray Nally, question mark. Without Ben Stokes, uh, you know, the uh, spinning option and someone who can bat. Is, is that something that we, we've taken Taking wickets, take wickets against India. Taking yeah. wickets against India. A lot of wickets against India. I mean, what's I, up I, with I, why is he? Sorry. In, why is he not in there? And why is Don Best in there? That's my question. Well, I, I, Max, you know how much I love Bowie Alley. I think he should be in every England team because I just think he's brilliant. And if the fans can't sing, girls don't like boys, girls like Bowie Alley, then well, they've, they've yeah. missed out on a trick of this. So, uh... <laughs> I'd be playing him at Lords. Absolutely, I'd be absolutely, definitely playing him at Lords as my all-round option. Instead, mm. actually, and I love Sam Curran, I really do, but he would be my uh, number seven at Lords. I'd have him there and then I'd, I'd, whichever seamers have not pulled up lame along with Jack Leach, I would have. There we go. Well, uh, should we uh, should we talk about the 100? Because, uh, Dan, I, I mean, I'm dying to know... Um, we should, where, Ross, where but I think we need to make some predictions first, don't we? We've got to pin our colours to the... I was going to try and get away from this. It must no, admit, no, no, um, no. Not having that. Come on. Well, 3-1 uh, we'll, we'll, India. 3-1 India. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, three-one India, absolutely. Uh, I have to say that um, I, I had to give my predictions as Jeremy Coney the other day to the BBC, and it was my view uh, that India would win four-nil. That uh, there were no circumstances in which England could win a Test match, <laughs> but I, as Daniel Norcross, believe that it is actually feasible that under the right circumstances, with the right overheads, and having won the right toss and in the right place, and over the course of five games. Mm-hmm. I think England will actually pull out a, a win somewhere along the line. And also, they're playing at home. They've got a very, very strong record at home. They've only lost the one series since 2014. I think my concern is that they lost that series to a brilliant New Zealand side, but so badly, mm-hmm. um, which is 
curious. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know how that happened. So, uh, well, I do know how that happened. It happened because they weren't, they, they, uh, they, they just weren't on it. They weren't, they didn't, they picked James Bracey to keep wicket at number seven. And he's the a number games. three batter. You can even catch the ball. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> no, and, it's, and it's not, look, this isn't an issue about James Bracey, a cricketer, the cricketer. It's the issue that England's muddled thinking there. It should so obviously have been John Simpson. And mm. so I'm slightly concerned. Then they didn't chase in the first test when they actually had a chance to win a game against that a was, side that's better than them, and they didn't do that it. Was so, bonkers. you Especially know, my concern consider it didn't actually. Yeah, you know, it wasn't even any point. Like World Test Championship points on the line. It was, you know, right. I know, yeah. I know, and, and that's and therefore that's why I kind of think that England aren't in the right space mm. to beat either the best or second best team in the world, or whichever way you look at it. You know, India are in the top two sides in the world. New Zealand are world test champions. They are their equal. Um, I don't think England are their equal. Uh, and it doesn't even pain me to say it because I don't see why they would be. They're a very young side and they're regrouping. And it's no shame yeah. to lose to India. And we're looking but at an India side that's, it's, well, it's just, well, as good as a be, very long time. If I can be Coney again for one brief minute, what I would say is, Please well do. then, well then, test cricketers tend to be won by the side that's better. And there's a reason for that, because over five days, a side that's much better than the other obviously will prevail, barring unusual circumstances like (laughs) an alien invasion or something of that kind. And notwithstanding that those things won't occur, you would have to suppose that India will win over and over again but I am familiar with your weather and it is terrible. So I'll allow the possibility of a draw. <laughs> you, you, you enjoy that just as much as I enjoy hearing it, which is great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Dan, who, who do you reckon is going to be, Max, we'll come to your prediction in a second. Dan, who do you reckon is going to be top run scorer and top wicket taker? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Coley sits behind three good batters at the top of the order, so he's going to get real opportunities to bat, and he's done well here, and he knows the conditions really well, and he really wants it. He absolutely wants it. So hasn't it a century uh, Coley... in two years? Though, has he? I've, I've yeah, had two more centuries. We, we, count, we has. count it in Ross Leg centuries now. The, the, the time. No, it's since... why he. Re- it's why. It's why he really, really. And also, it's like reversion to the mean. I mean, there's no way this is going to continue. He's going to get one century and then he's going to get another couple. Uh, that's yeah. what it feels like to me. Um, top top wicket taker is a tricky one because um, I really, it might be an England bowler. I think it might be Ollie Robinson because I think Ollie Robinson, they will not, um, they, they won't rotate out of the side. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's fit. I could see him playing all five games. I'm not sure many bowlers will play all five games. And I'm also not sure there'll be many spinning tracks that mean that, you know, um, that the Ashwin and Jadeja clean up. So I am, I'm going to go with that as being the one bright spot on the horizon. Ollie Robinson takes uh, 22 wickets and is the leading wicket taker across the board. Nice. I like some pin in the hat like that. Max, where, uh, where are you thinking? England win? Uh, well, we've had, we've had two uh, pro-India uh, score lines so far, so I feel like I'm going to have to champion England here, aren't I? Uh, so that's why I'm going to go for a why? Three two, why humiliate three two win why? for three India? Two. Oh, three two win for two. India. Okay, this is me being optimistic on the England front. <laughs> I yeah, I can't. I I just can't see 
Uh, it's too it's too frail, isn't it? That top order. I just don't see, like you say, Dan. I don't see where the runs are coming from. Maybe we will prepare some absolutely ridiculous pitches, and then it becomes a game of who can score two hundred in the first innings and that that kind of thing. But uh, to, to be honest, I, uh, I I I don't I don't think that's a route that we will we will go down. So uh, it's I, funny you should say that, Max. It's funny you should yeah. say that because actually. England, I know for a fact that England thought about that in 1984 against one of the greatest sides the world has ever produced, the West Indies. And a, a very dear friend of mine, Graham Fowler, overheard a conversation as he was lying in a bar between Bob Willis and Ian Botham, in which they said, let's get the ground staff to produce green seamers uh, and really difficult tracks because the only way we're going to win this is if we can like, reduce the difference between the sides. Yeah. And Foxy, bless him, said, as long as you've got St. John's Ambulance on hand, I don't mind. Um, <laughs> and essentially what that meant was, yeah, you can do that if you like, but look at the Indian seam attack. It's really good. The England seam attack is really good. And ultimately it comes down to Pujara, Kohli, Rohit Sharma, Rahane, Punt, Jadeja, Ashwin. They bat so deep. So mm. many of them can do it that if you do it like that, and I get your reasoning, but they've only got it, they are more, way more likely to scrape yeah. to 250 than yeah. England are on a pitch like that. Yeah. England, yeah. England, will also, be 40, England will be 40 for five on that pitch. Yeah, they also need to take their catches, both teams. India have a great catching record recently. England is an experienced lineup. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens there because if England are trying to take 15, 20 wickets, <laughs> a, a test matter, they're going to need or, to hold the catches. Need, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, like that. Yeah. Well, uh, runs and wickets wise, I, I, uh, well, I'm, I mean, I had the same things down as uh, Dan. Actually, I was, oh. I, I have a feel, I had a feeling about Ollie Robinson, but I might have to change the, uh, the runs now just for the sake of uh, a bit of variety. <laughs> so uh, I think it's gonna be Rohit Sharma. There we go. I think he will, he will do the business at the top of the order. Good call. Nice. Good call. I like that. Yeah, that's a good call. Especially because when they win by eight wickets and nine wickets he'll have had yeah. the opportunity to bat twice yeah yeah i like it uh well that has been uh our preview of england versus india um i'm sure our youtube comments are going to be full of people going yes come on just pound england into the dirt uh, but let's know what you think so uh and uh send us a message on twitter as well at the cricket pod um let's talk the hundred um max and dan you're both you're both surrey boys aren't you so is over mm. invincibles your team if you, if you honestly, if you right now took a scimitar and sliced me open from the top of my head right through my stomach and into my genitals, because after that my legs are just like dangling, um, you would see written in green bile, Vincibles till I die. Not Invincibles, because I've obviously this changed uh, recently owing to um, a series of unfortunate losses. But yes, uh, and I say that only partly in jest, because my point is that there is a horrible culture war taking place at the moment, and I entirely understand it. I have been a county cricket fan from the age of seven. I used to have pictures of Roger Knight, the former Surrey captain, on my wall. I, I used to dream of becoming Graham Monkhouse, a workaday medium pace bowler for Surrey, and thinking that would be fine for me if I could do that. I love county cricket more than I can tell you. I was a junior member, a member uh, after that. And uh, the first thing I did when I got a proper job 
was invent meetings so I could go and watch Surrey at the Oval. I care about cash cricket more than I can tell you. But, and this is why the 100 is so clever, it finds people who love sport so much that when the Oval Invincibles went out, and I thought, I'm not going to care about the Oval Invincibles, suddenly the first game they played, it was like, come on! Come on, you've got to do, you got to, this is for the Oval, for the Invincibles, for God's sake. And I know it's mad. I know I'm deranged and I know I need looking at, but I, I do get that. I did a game at Manchester, uh, at Manchester, I now call it at Manchester, at Old Trafford mm. for, for the BBC. It's the only hundred game they've let me do because they've almost, it's almost a bit like Test Match Specials. I kept me relatively unsullied. <laughs> on the competition so I can come back and do a test match and not be, you know, not be one of them. Um, and it was fascinating to see when Liam Livingston came out to bat for the Manchester Originals, the, uh, not for the Manchester Originals, for whoever he plays for, because I can't remember, much like the IPL, I can't remember who everyone plays for because I'm too old, but he plays for somebody else. And, um, Liam Livingston. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. I can't even remember the bloody game I was doing. That's you know how <laughs> senescent I've become. <laughs> so he goes out to bat and the crowd start booing. And it was a revelation to me, actually, because I, I thought, and a lot of people like me had thought, well, you know, who gives a damn about any of these sodding franchises? And I don't believe that people do actually give a damn about the franchises, but they, they play the game. They play the pantomime game, which is what sport is. You know, when we watch the Olympics, we don't suddenly care about BMX riding, but we really do want Beth Shriver to win. And we are absolutely <laughs> punching the air. You know, isn't it marvellous? I'm crying in bed when I see her reaction because that's what sport is. So, yeah. you know, when Livingston went out there and they went, boo, is it not with us? It was like, oh, yes, I see how this works now. I've, 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 I've actually, if anything, been a bit naive. You can be as die-hard county fan as you want but I'm afraid, and I'm not going to call it progress, but just the passage of time means that the things that you may think everybody else is doing aren't actually happening. Sport happens in front of your eyes. Mm. And if the game's fun and it's good and you're a bit tanked up and you're with your mates and you're enjoying it, <laughs> then you get into it because you don't take sport that seriously. And I think the problem we've got is that football fans, county cricket fans, a lot of people think that this is actually fundamentally important. And it's very important for the people who play it, definitely. And if you wind yourself up enough, it's very important for you as a county fan. But, you know, there's an awful lot more important things out there. There's climate change. There's COVID. There's whether your family are safe and well. There's, you know, the books you read and the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's get some sodding perspective on this. We're, we're all losing our minds. And we also don't have control. We don't have control over what the ECB's decided they're going to do with their tournament. And, you know, am I an Oval Invincibles fan? I am. I want them, when I watch the game, I want them to win. I mean, I'm talking to you now while they're playing. And frankly, I'm yeah. getting a bit itchy about, you know, wanting to go and see our run chase. And yeah. you can call me a Judas for that. You can say that I'm a, you know, I don't really love cricket. And if you do, I'll tell you to absolutely piss off because you have no <laughs> idea how much time I've spent obsessing over cricket and obsessing over Surrey. And I'll say, you know, absolutely nothing, Jon Snow. Do you think um, there's something in the fact that they've managed to retain quite a bit of the, uh, I guess, the identity of the 
regions. I suppose it's a bit more di different with someone like a team like Surrey because Surrey is at the Oval and it feels a bit like Surrey because you've still got the Currens, you've got Will Jackson, well, Jason Roy, and that kind of gives you something that you yeah. can still associate yourself with. And also Sunil Narayan is back, by the way. He's 19 off nine balls. So uh, he's, he's, the pinch hitter has returned. Pinch That's great. How much, do, how much do we need, by the way? What's Because what's, I, uh, what, I don't know what our target is. Uh, Welsh Fire scored... 121, yeah, and we are. Yeah, well, we should absolutely. I say, wait, I'm, I'm there as well. I'm there. 47 for two off 24. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th I think that's been that sort of helped the Surrey side of things. But there are some, you know, uh, regions that maybe feel a little bit left out. Yeah. There. You've got oh. people like Gloucestershire who've got a, who are now Welsh and that kind of thing. Well, this is exactly what happens, and I totally get that. You know, if you're if you're a Gloucestershire fan, or a Somerset fan, you're an Essex fan. You're a Kent fan. It's it's horrible. It doesn't feel like it's for you, you know. And so, yes, it is easy for me to say that because they play at the Oval and there are recognisable players there. I absolutely get that. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're just going to keep on mithering about it. Like, like I sent a tweet out the, the other day about, and it, this was nonsense. It was just about the, the Olympics. Mm. And I was watching a floor exercises and I saw just how high up the gymnast got and I said wouldn't it be great if they changed the rules of high jump so that you could you know so you basically you can bounce off two hands and see how high you get and then you get rid of the possible flop you can go over the top of the bar it'd be like it'd be brilliant with that and someone came back oh yeah you lot you all want rule changes don't you so you can have that ridiculous competition where everyone wears crisps it's like come on like we're, we're all cricket fans we all love cricket we're all in it together aren't we does everything have to be about enmity and fury and bilious rage you know, the, 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 we, the we are where we are we are where we are because the counties didn't make enough money to survive and, and i'm a surrey fan and my county did make enough money to survive we don't need the bloody hundred we were doing fine out of t20 mm. but there were other counties that weren't and they and they voted for it and they let it all pass by and they were told what was going on while it was happening. And they didn't act. So let's all try and get a bit of perspective on this. Nobody's, nobody who enjoys watching cricket is suddenly not a cricket fan. Agreed. And that's I, the I, madness I that. that we've got to. Yeah, yeah. And the cricket that. has been quite good. It's been quite good. It's not been that good. The women's cricket has been great. The men's mm. cricket has been practically a bit piss poor. I mean, if you actually... You know, this is probably not what I'm supposed to say. It's BBC commentator, but um, I mean, I've seen sides where the, the bowling attack and the batting ends at six, and it, there are lovely stories, aren't there? There's the, there's the chap whose name suddenly eludes me, Ben. What's his name? Who who switched it to six, and and he played his first, he, he debuted in List A, T20, and the hundred in one week. But that's not what the hundred's supposed to be. The hundred's supposed to be really really good teams. And he might end up being a really good player, but that wasn't the plan. Part yeah. of that's COVID. Part of, part of it is COVID. We can't blame the ECB for that, absolutely, because they didn't have the players there for it. And, and part of it is because it isn't quite there yet. It's not really a great competition. It's not got the best players playing. Uh, the quality is not that superb. The scores aren't as high as you'd expect them to be. I, I just want us to be a bit more honest about it. And I recognise that Real cricket fans watching in become infuriated by what they see as, as George Bell said, the Kim Jong-un school of journalism, where we're all saying what's 
absolutely magnificent before our eyes. Hmm. But it isn't actually that magnificent. I mean, a PSL is better quality, isn't it, wouldn't you say? Well, ra- well raised the- on the last podcast, actually, Dan, around uh, the women's game. So the women's game is getting the be- better coverage. You've got better yeah. commentators who are doing it. And yet, yeah. are people other than NASA Hussein don't seem to be able to constructively criticise the women's game without kind of sitting there and going, oh, I'm going to make a massive faux pas in a minute and jeopardise my career. And all it is, is, isn't this great for the women's game? Oh, what a fairy tale story that she's got some runs. She's only 16, just done her GCSEs. Yep. And actually the, the analysis of the game has, has kind of gone away a little bit. And, are, you and- listening to, are you listening to the radio, though, Ross? Because honestly, the, the, the BBC radio team, which I have been a part once, Mm-hmm. Uh, in one game, we're we're very very hot on pointing out where 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 a catch is dropped and where fielding is rubbish because we've watched an awful lot of women's cricket. You know, mm-hmm. the BBC has created a, a group of commentators over the last seven, eight, nine years who know the women's game inside out. We won't do that on the radio. Mm-hmm. On the TV, it has to be said, it is a little bit um, a little bit different. You know, because I don't think people have seen as much women's cricket and they might actually be quite surprised by how how good it actually can be. There was a catch today, an absolutely brilliant catch taken out of the deep by Katie George, which was as good as a catch you will ever see in a men's game. It was genuinely incredible. She ran forward 15, 20 yards, dived forward, took it two-handed an inch off the ground. You see that in any game. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we I applaud saw the BBC it. Clifford, that was brilliant. It was really good. It was brilliant. You see a catch that's dropped and you say, that's frankly terrible. Henry Moran, I've heard on radio, say that is diabolical. Now, what that is, is just commentators who are used to operating in that space. Mm. And what The 100 has done is it introduced a bunch of commentators who are not used to commentating women's cricket, not knowing quite what the tone they should be doing. And they'll get there. Over time, they'll get there. They're just they're a little bit cautious and anxious because we live in a cancel world. I mean, it's not really cancelling is it but no, you just get a gig if, on gb news if it all goes to absolutely but you know people are kind of slightly nervous about getting their words wrong you know oh can i talk about the girls probably best not to talk about the girls let the girls talk about the girls if they want to talk about the girls you talk about the women and you talk about them you know mm. but because people don't know and because we're in that slightly haltering concerned state if you've not been in that environment that's where you get commentary that that you won't particularly that won't feel quite right for you. But uh, I'm not saying this just because I'm uh, a BBC freelancer. Uh, we have, you know, in Izzy Westbury, Henry Moran, Ali Mitchell, uh, a bunch of people who've been watching Stefan Schemmel. We've been watching women's cricket for ages. We, we can mm-hmm. differentiate between good and bad, and that will happen over time. That will evolve. And actually, women's cricket, I'm watching with my, my own eyes. The most fascinating thing to me, <coughs> excuse me, the most fascinating thing to me is that, that a lot of these women's games, not, not the majority, but a lot of them, are scoring a similar number of runs and occasionally more than the men. And the reason for it is really interesting as well. And I'm convinced of it that the reason is because these women who are now professionalised are hitting balls. I watched women's cricket when it was amateur. And so anybody who wasn't in the top four didn't have the time in the nets to hit balls over and over and over again. Now they all are doing that. So they bat deeper, they bat better, and the bowlers have now got to catch up. And the same thing happened in men's cricket in the late 1890s, early part of the 20th century. There were a lot of amateurs. Um, 
the scores were really low in the 1880s. They suddenly went up. The arrival of Ranji and Fry and McLaren and Tildesley's, as they came on a bit later, have you, and Victor Chumper in Australia. And scores suddenly went shooting through the roof and the bowlers had to change. And that's when you got the googly. That's when you got Bosenkett in the early part of the 20th century. That's when bowlers started to get faster with McDonald and Gregory from Australia. So the, the way cricket evolves, women's cricket is no different from men's cricket. It's evolving to become a batter's game and the bowlers can have to catch up and we'll get to watch that. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's great fun. Um, I'm loving it on that side. I'll just say that objectively, and I'm sure you two both feel quite similarly, we've watched a lot of men's professional um, short-form cricket, and I don't think the hundreds that were particularly high quality for men. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think that should be blasphemy to say it. Well, uh, I think we should leave it there because we've been speaking for an hour and a half now, Dan, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. We have indeed. (laughs) Time has been flowing by. (laughs) Um, and uh, I mean, fortunately, Jeremy Cody uh, kind of stepped in for a bit, but it was absolutely fine. Uh, Max, Dan, be a good show. Um, if you are watching this, subscribe to the video. If you want to see us talk about and li- pretty much live tweet throughout the day when India or England are playing and uh, probably at the expense of some of those players, um, which will definitely piss some people off, but it will also entertain some other people. Follow us at The Cricket Pod on Twitter. Um, Dan, where can uh, everybody find you? They can find me at Norcross Cricket or more importantly, at Trent Bridge for the next five, six days, uh, which is where I'm going to be. But don't come and find me in Tooting and tell me your views on why I'm destroying county cricket. Right. Uh, Thank you ever so much for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.